Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in this series we're doing called Vineyard Verses. What we're doing in this series is we're looking at passages of Scripture together that I think are instrumental in the Christian life and walk, and, and I've been encouraging you to memorize them a verse at a time as we work through them, so we're just kind of talking about them a week at a time to give you a chance to sort of commit them to memory. And, um, you know, we've, we looked at the Hebrews 10 passage and, and, uh, and about spending time in the presence of God and the access we have. We, we looked at the Philippians 4 passage about, you know, um, not being anxious and all that that means in our lives. And then we've started in this last bit of this series looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, which um, is where we get our mission from as a church. And our mission here is one more. One more lost child back to dad. We've tried to keep it pretty simple. One more so you can remember it. If somebody asks you what the vineyard is all about there on Big Pine, one more. And, and that sort of, you know, infuses everything that we do. We looked at that in the process, and these verses that we've been going through lately, 17 through 21, I think summarize that mission for us, in particular this one that we're going to look at today, the 21st verse, uh, which really ties it all together for me. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 21 is why I do that, be thankful for five things, encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dead. It comes from that verse, 5, 21. We're going to dig into that today um, in just a moment. We've so far in these... Uh, in these verses, we've talked about justification and what that means, and we've talked about sanctification and what that means, reconciliation and what that means. And then um, last week we looked and talked about being ambassadors for Christ. And this week in verse 21, we'll sort of go back and tie all those together in uh, the idea that we're going to look at today. So that's where we're heading. That's the intro. Transition, I always try and tell you a bad joke or something. This is sort of an interesting thought. I thought maybe you'd, you'd find this encouraging. Um, apparently, you can never lose your homing pigeon. If your homing pigeon doesn't come back, what you lost is a pigeon. I'm sorry. See, you don't know how messed up I am because to me that's hilarious. I was, I was, <laughs> I was so looking forward to sharing that. And I will at every service, even if it gets that reaction. That's classic. <laughs> you just lost a regular pigeon. <laughs> okay. In case that didn't work, here we go. Well, why does a chicken coop have two doors? If it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. Oh, sure. Now that. Yeah. See? That's only because the first one is so bad. Scripture reading here on purpose, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to dig into verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This verse 
um, is probably the quintessential verse, verse on reconciliation. And, and what's happening in that verse, and, and just so we get back to the idea once again, is that so, so all of us have failed um, to keep God's law perfectly. We've all sinned, and the punishment for that should be death. But Jesus, who never failed, He alone has kept the, the law perfectly. Um, he's the only one who shouldn't have died, and yet in His amazing mercy, God provided in Christ a great substitution, a, a blessed exchange. Um, and and uh, uh, in Jesus, He stands in for us with God, offering His perfect righteousness in place of our failure and His own life's blood in place of ours. And, and so what we've received in this process is what God offers us in Christ by faith um, is that His perfection, uh, Christ's perfection is, here's another fancy word, it's imputed to us. If you ever hear that, I, I want you to know what it means. It means it was credited to us or it was reckoned to us. And our sinful nature, our failure is imputed or credited or reckoned to Jesus. This amazing, cosmic, awesome exchange has happened for us in Christ. In that, that He became sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This exchange happens in, in all that Jesus offered us and did for us at the cross. And, and this, this pardon that we've received, it, it's an act of justice, and yet it's, it's not just forgiveness alone. It's justification. Remember that. It's the, the way to remember that is it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's what's so amazing about it. And when you get this, when, when, when the Apostle Paul would, he, when people would get this, he would say, your life will change. You'll live differently. Everything will look differently to you. you, you you'll stop trying to strive and, and, and you'll, you'll begin to thrive in the way that you live because you won't be trying to earn anything. You'll understand how amazing this whole process has been and what Jesus has done for you. And, and you'll begin to live for Him, not trying to earn anything from Him, but because of the realization of the lengths He's gone to to give you life now and forever, full and abundant. That, that, that you can stand in the presence of a holy God in Christ. And that God sees you in the perfection of His Son. You've been, you've been clothed in the perfection of Jesus. And that's how God sees you. It's just it's this amazing reality that, that you need to grasp uh, in order to begin to live in Christ the way that we're supposed to. It's, it's something that has to just hit you and begin to change you. And, and that's why we've even talked about sanctification, because where we struggle sometimes is we, we realize we're still kind of a mess. Um, and then we think, well, we've got to pretend to be further along than we are, but, but we have to just understand we're living this thing out as we walk with Him. He empowers us by His Spirit to, to live um, for Him, and, and we're in that process. But He already chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son, so we have access to God. And, and this is an amazing concept that we've been talking about in these verses. And then it goes on to say there that, that you know, we're becoming His righteousness. Because of this exchange, this blessed exchange, this amazing substitution, we're becoming His righteousness. And I want to talk about that with you for a few minutes. That's point number one in, in your notes. What does it mean becoming His righteousness. Let's look at the verse again. God made Him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness 
of God. Now, righteousness, um, you can define righteousness as, as being right with God. Because of what Christ has done, and as, as people who have placed our faith in Him uh, and, and have received this great mercy and gift, um, we are now right with God. God sees us in the perfection of His Son. We're right with God. And what we have to do is, is we have to live this out in the world. That's why this is our mission. We get right with God in Christ, and then we, we try and live by doing the next right thing. Not a bunch of rules, not, not falling into that trap, but because of what's taken place. We're reconciled. We've been justified. We have access to the presence of God. Because of all those things, we, we want to start living differently, living outside of our own small stories and becoming a part of His story and what that looks like as we've been, as we've been talking through these verses. And we're not perfect. We're in process. And, and so we don't need to run around pointing fingers of judgment at people around us, at the world around us. See, we all desperately need the grace of God. This always comes back to understanding how desperately we need grace. It's by His grace that we're able to have relationship with Him. It's, it's not by anything we've done, not because we're performing well, but because of His grace. We have to we have to break out of those traps that if only I was performing better, then my relationship would be better. Y your relationship with God is made possible because of His movement towards you. And, and, and it gets better as we receive it, but not as we work for it. Paul said in Galatians 2.21, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. See, if becoming His righteousness was possible by following a bunch of rules, then we wouldn't have need Jesus to do what He did. But it's not. You can't be made right with God apart from Christ. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in, in, in you know, following a bunch of rules. You can't get there. It's not possible. This, this grace made it possible, and it's a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But, but don't read that. Well, see, there we go. It's, you know, we're created to do good works, but not to earn anything. It, it's a, it comes out of having received everything that we've already been given in Christ because He's done all the work. So, so, so then we're, we're called to live this life because of this, this gift of grace to us. We're to, we're to be a people of grace and, and not a critical, hypocritical people. You know, I said last week, and, and I want to say it again because I, I, I don't know if you heard it last week, and I want to make sure you hear it this week. We're called to be witnesses, not judges. Remember, the, the Holy Spirit came in Acts 1.8. I will empower you to be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And somehow along the line, if, if we're not careful, we switch from being witnesses to being judges in those same things. And we think that's the ticket. And, 
And last week I told you once again, that's what caused the culture to mute us as the church. They just hit the big mute button and they've stopped listening to us because they haven't heard what they needed to hear from us, which is a, a, that God has made a way for them all to be reconciled. And instead, we sort of started pointing fingers and telling them how bad they were, like, like we didn't come from there. And, and we did. And so, so we have to recognize that all of us desperately need God. See, we need Him. We need Him every day. Even though, you know, when we've come to know Christ, we still, we need the grace of God. We need God in our lives. We need, we need this relationship, this access that we have. It needs to be an ongoing, everyday thing, and it will continue until we're fully with Jesus. Either He comes for us or we go to be with Him, whichever comes first. But we have this tendency, and that's the second thing, is our tendency towards being self-righteous. We have a tendency to become self-righteous instead of being His righteousness. Mark 2, 16 and 17. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, that's the established religious community that day, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He's talking about the self-righteous there. And, and, and see, not understanding our constant need for grace and, and, and our constant need for God in our lives will, will cause us to become self-righteous and judgmental and not care about people and that was the hallmark of the Pharisees and, and we have to be careful that that doesn't become the represent, you know, the, that what the church represents that we're self-righteous, judgmental and we just we don't care about people and, and yet we, we get that hung on us all the time uh, as a church as the church, the bigger church about what we think about with people. And, and see, until we come to grips with our own brokenness, we're, we're not able to effectively stand against the enemy and all that he's doing on behalf of our neighbors. See, we're born broken. From our earliest stages in life, our main concerns are pleasure and avoiding pain. It's, it's, you, you, can, you can watch it throughout the entire span of people's lives, from the youngest ones that we have floating around to up through me and beyond, uh, it's, it's our natural pursuit is pleasure and the avoidance of pain. And, 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 and you know, we, we live in a fallen world. Sin abounds here. All of us have sinned in the pursuit of pleasure and pain-free living, something that all of us have done. And yet, in our own self-righteousness, when we're not careful, we begin to use a little thing that I, I call the sin scale. Don't look it up in the Scripture. It's not there. It's, a, it's a, just a way of communicating this, this whole process. And the sin scale um, is that arbitrarily, we've determined that some sins are very bad and some sins are not so bad. We don't have a reason for making that scale. We just decide it on ourselves, and we, we start, in the, in the, oh, there's some really bad sins. And it kind of changes culturally and over time and where it depends on where you go, what the, what the tax collectors become. You know, here in the, that Scripture I read you, it was sinners. And then the worst of the sinners were the tax collectors. But that changes from time to time. And, and so, you know, usually what we do is, is on that scale, amazingly, our sins are not so bad while other people's make us shake our head and sort of, you know, in amazement that anybody could do anything like that. Um, like an example uh, of, of a, a, is that um, most sin scales tend to see gossip as fairly not a big deal. That's just a, 
on the sin scale, it barely notches on there. That's a little gossip. And yet gossip is actually talked about more in the Scripture than almost any other sin. It's extremely destructive. It ruins lives. It ruins families. It ruins churches. And yet most people engage in gossip regularly because they don't think it's a big problem. And then they self-righteously judge people who they perceive are worse on the sin scale. See how that's a trap? And, and gossip in and of itself, very seductive because it pulls you into something in a, in a way that it shouldn't and then you, you get stuck in it and it's, it's horrific. I don't, do, you, do you ever catch yourself gossiping? I, I hate, I do. I, oh, it's gossip. I hate it. And I, I, and, and I don't. <laughs> and I do. And I don't. And, I, and it's, and, and, but, but there's the, those things in our lives, see? So we have to be aware of them. And we have to be careful that we don't become self-righteous in our attempts. There's a, there's a statement that goes around, and, and I don't think it was meant to have the impact that it has, or, and, and maybe, and I'm sure I've said it uh, in my life without thinking through it very well, uh, but there's a thing that people will say, well, what we need to do is hate the sin, but love the sinner. And, and I get that, that idea in, in concept, but the problem is if you're relating to someone with that sort of mindset, I guarantee you, you're treating them in not a good way. You're judging them um, and acting like you're doing it, you know, because you're, you're being so amazingly awesome in your own self. And, uh, and so you're sort of feeling good about yourself. Listen, here's a sinner, and I'm going to go and love that sinner, but I'm going to hate that sin. And I promise you if, you, if you relate to someone like that, they don't feel loved by you at all. They feel, they can feel the judgment coming out of it. And so we, we have to be careful with that. And, and that's sort of because I don't engage in the sin you're involved in. I'm, I'm making myself better than you. And, and people don't respond to that. So, so how do we relate to people that are broken? And what we have to do is we always have to relate to them from our own brokenness. And that's the third point. See, that's where true righteousness develops in us. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. He's asked a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, this particular passage is the one that's up next in this series. We're going to dig into it deeper. But it's about how we're to love and live as followers of Christ. And here's, here's the amazing thing. When Jesus looked at sinners, he saw past their sin and saw the beauty of their potential. If you've been coming here before, you've heard me say that, but I need to keep making that register with you. When he looked at people, he didn't label them by their sin. He didn't get stuck and look at them and judge them by their sin. He looked past all of that and he saw the beauty of their potential. He never condones sin, but he just, he doesn't let it be the focus. And see, that's what we have to be, we, when we become self-righteous, we let other people's sin become the focus instead of just dealing with broken people that need Jesus. He just didn't label people by their sin. And he could do it because he exemplified the grace-filled life. Jesus loved people and they knew it. They knew it. They could sense it. It just, it, just, it just flowed out of him. He invited everybody to the table. And when they were with Jesus, they wanted to change. They wanted to leave behind. They, they didn't want to be stuck in that broken way of living. They, they wanted what he offered. But, but they had to know how much he loved them first. 
See, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing with this whole message of reconciliation. We, we go out and, and we share the, 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 the gospel with people, the, the life-changing power of the gospel so people can be set free. But they're, they're loved in. They're not judged in. They're loved into the kingdom. And, and they respond to, to his amazing love, which is, which is true. It's what true righteousness looks like. True righteousness is always displayed in love. Never takes sin lightly, but understands that, that, that people are only really healed from their brokenness as they engage in a relationship with Jesus. See, that's what it takes to be a people of mission. We, we, we get it because we knew that's what happened to us. The only way that people can ever be really healed is to engage in relationship with Jesus. And as people that have done that, we, we're supposed to be people that help others do it. And we do that by loving them well, by encouraging them, by praying for them, and, and constantly remembering our own desperate need for grace and operating on that basis and, and living as witnesses in the world around us, not as judges. Just thinking about how Jesus saw people Aren't you glad that when Jesus first saw you, he didn't deal with you by the label of your sin that so many other people had put on you? I'm so, I'm so glad. You know, I didn't grow up in this thing. And so I was a mess. I still am. <laughs> but when, when, when Jesus first started interacting with me in my mid-20s, he, he looked past my brokenness, my my. my my drug addiction, my, my mess that I was involved in that I, I can't even describe. And he saw the beauty of my potential, and he's always treated me that way. Always. Always. Still does. Looks past my mess and treats me seeing the beauty of my potential. It's, it's amazing. And as people that are reconciled, who, who already enjoy this amazing pleasure, pleasure of having... God see us in Christ in the perfection of His Son. We need to look at other people and see the beauty of their potential and, and then lovingly help them to Jesus with, with His wisdom and, and His power and His grace and His mercy. And, and, you know, like I said last week, shrewd, a serpent, innocent as doves in the world around us, representing Jesus well. Being a people... I so, I so desperately want for the, you know, I, I tease about this when, when you ask that people should say about the church, that is the most loving group of people I have ever met. And I, I desperately want that to be us. But, but we all have to understand that as a people of mission. We desperately need the grace of God. And we need to communicate that to people around us every day in the world. So we're going to um, let that sink in and talk about that. And next week I'm going to talk more uh, about our... Uh, how we sort of get into some of those things. We're going to be talking about being all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength in the next part of this series. But that's good enough for now. If you're watching my video, thank you so much. We appreciate you doing that. If you need prayer, go to our website, and there's a place for prayer, and we will be praying for you. And uh, come and visit us as soon as you can. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to move into our extended time of worship and song now. That takes us about five minutes to get set up. I want you to get a chance to, to stay.